your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So as I talked about on Monday and on Tuesday, we have a very special guest joining this episode. I don't think he's been on the podcast since August, where we think we touched on the Hornquist trade. I think so. It's, we touched on something in August. Maybe it was the captain and trade or something like that. But um, Jesse Marshall, Penguins writer for The Athletic, is back on the Locked On Penguins podcast. Before we get into some hockey talk, though, Jesse, um, how are you? And congratulations on the big announcement today, man, that you're having a baby girl. That's just, that's awesome. Yeah, man, real pumped. That's kind of been like the dominating life right now. <laughs> it's number one thing, you know, just trying to get ready for that in uh, April. So we're excited. I'm pumped. Uh, I was kind of on team girl the whole time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my wife was just convinced it was a boy. Like she was convinced. It, like no doubt in her mind. So that was kind of like a shock for her, but uh, we're, we're really pumped. And, and I'm guessing you already have some penguin stuff picked out for her, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that was actually the very first Pittsburgh anything that she got uh, was a was a little, little penguins onesie, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Again, man, congratulations. Glad you're doing well. Um, at least we got some hockey to talk about here, man. The season kicks off in eight days. Um, no sorts of topics to talk about for the Penguins. Um, training camp is underway. I think today was their second practice. They had that scrimmage today that I saw Josh was following. Well, they had it yesterday, but basically the second scrimmage will be today. Um, Jesse, you know, when you look at this team, you know, obviously the top six is loaded. The bottom six has a lot of question marks, you know, the bottom pairing. Um, let's honestly, let's just, let's start with the bottom pairing. Um, I'm a little more bullish, I would say, right now on Mike Matheson being better than what some people um, think he can be. But, you know, the big one on there is Cody Cece. And, you know, I saw Josh wrote about in his uh, training camp, basically, practice thoughts, um, said, you know, Cece's kind of been struggling a bit, doesn't look fast. Um, I just, what are they doing? Is it, What's going to happen there with Cece, man? I'm just, I'm really, I'm getting nervous about that because I just don't want another Jack Johnson situation. Yeah. I mean, even... Uh, well, I, you know, I think, yeah, Josh was saying like, it looked like he was kind of still getting it under, you know, getting it going and getting his legs under himself. And he skated in Toronto, um, with a bunch of guys, you know, in the off season just before getting here. But I think, I think even like ultimately for me, Hunter, even as Cody CT performs, like at a, at a step down from what Toronto got out of him last year, still upgrade over Jack Johnson. I think it would be difficult for CC to be that bad. Um, it, it, it just, it, you know, with hindsight and the benefit of hindsight and looking at the roster projections for the Rangers and, you know, seeing that big negative impact uh, right there next to Johnson's name and how that's going to potentially affect them. Uh, you know, I, I maybe even, you know, you know, it's one of those things, Hunter, we talked about it so much that maybe we really lost sight of how bad it actually was. Cause we were living through it, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's, he's a gross upgrade there. And I think, you know, um, a couple people have pointed this out on Twitter this week too, you know, his, his transition game and defending, you know, you know, let's say you're heading up ice and somebody turns the puck over and you've got to switch from offense to defense. His presence there is so much better. 
is about a better gap. Mobility's better. He he's not out there to make a big hit, you know, which we saw with Johnson a lot, right? You know, mm-hmm. chasing the play and taking himself out of position for the sake of being physical. You don't get that out of him. But where where the limitations exist, right, are in some of the same areas. He's not great at handling the puck. Uh his shot and sort of offensive zone awareness, I think, is where where he's at his most comically bad, you know. Um, but you'll take, I think, you know, for me anyway, if as a number six defenseman, I'll take that, you know, if your number six guy is, you know, keeping his head above water in his own end, granted, you got to be careful how you deploy him. You got to prop a bump a little bit. You got to make sure he has the right partner, you know, all that under consideration. If he's, if his only mistakes are really coming and just not being able to put the puck on net or distribute it well, I'm, I'm okay. You know, that's fine. Um, the question is how, do other teams, because we saw this happen with Jack Johnson, we saw it happen with uh, that, that Schultz-Johnson pairing, specifically against Montreal, is is it a situation where teams try to push the puck onto CC? Is his you know outlet pass as bad as Johnson's was to the point that other teams kind of push and push and push on him and, and, and force him to be the puck carrier? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, don't, I don't think he's as egregiously bad. Uh, you know, as Johnson was, um, I just think that if, you know, if you're asking him to maybe send one up across two blue lines, you know, maybe don't do that. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think ultimately, you know, Matheson's going to be the guy you're going to ask to do the lion's share of the work there. And hopefully, uh, you know, other teams don't try to take that away from you entirely. Yeah. I remember, I think we had like a little discussion on Twitter just about that, you know, just cause I figured you just let Mike Matheson carry the puck off the ice. That's what he's best at. He's good in the offensive zone. We all know what his abilities are in the defensive zone. They're, well, not great. You know, you look at some of his transition transition stats in his defensive zone, just kind of meh. But then, you know, you, you responded back, you know, just what Montreal did with that pairing. They forced Jack Johnson to carry it up the ice, and it was just a black hole, and he just kind of barfed all over himself. So that's like my big worry with this EC situation is just forcing him to be, you know, just moving the puck up the ice just because it's not like his, his A game. Um, but you know, I think the big thing with him also is it's only 1 million, I think 1.1 million, 1.1 or something like that. If he ends up sucking, you can just put him in the press box. This isn't like a Johnson situation where it's five years, three, almost three and a half million per year. Um, and you have a capable replacement right there waiting for you who honestly, I think is probably the better option in Chad Weedle. but you know, knowing Mike Sullivan and knowing Jim Rutherford with the way he signed him, like they're going to give CC every opportunity to win that job at the start. They will give him the number six job. I mean, it's just not going to be a job that Chad Weedle, I don't think just takes out of training camp, but you know, this third pairing I think is better than the Johnson Schultz. It's hard to be worse. I mean, that third pairing for is sure. Probably one of the top three reasons they lost that series to the Canadians because they just kept targeting them every time they were on the ice. And, you know, I know Matheson makes a ton of money for a third pairing defenseman. I know he signed for six more years. But, you know, if his offense is better than it was in Florida and he can clean up the stuff in, his, in the defensive zone, which I think Todd Reardon can help him do, you know, that's, that's a pretty good number five defenseman despite that cap hit. And I really think he can help carry that pairing. And as long as they're fine, that's all the team needs because, man, the top four is probably one of the five best top fours, I think, in the league. Probably top five, top ten. Yeah, I mean, you you know, uh, you get the Latang and, and Reardon connection back together. I mean, he talked about that at length on a first day back about the amount mm-hmm. of respect he has for Todd Reardon and the connection that they had. And, um, you know, the fresh voice might be good for Latang. And I think that that potentially be, uh, you know, be a positive for him. 
Uh, Brian Dumoulin, you know, just to be healthy, I think is the huge thing for him. Um, you know, over the course of uh, the last, uh, you know, that that that's just I- injury for him last year. I think robbed him of a lot of his mobility. And I know that that's not really what we think about when we think about Brian Dumoulin. You don't think about mobility as being, you know, the the core foundation of his game, but it's what allows him to be so good in one on one situations. So you know. Uh, that that yeah that 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 from a defensive perspective you know his, his ability to turn and uh, reverse pivot and all that it just didn't look right so i think you know for me anyway it's you get kind of get the impression that a healthier version of him you know we're kind of in like peak brian dumoulin years right now you know like this is this is like uh, you know where the getting's good um and then the second pairing you know we'll see what happens with with marcus Pedersen. i think is the big wild card there and what direction does he go in um, you know, he's certainly going to have, you know, we think a reliable partner. So, uh, if John Marino can even replicate exactly what he did last year, mm-hmm. uh, that's a win. So, you know, so, uh, I, I'm, I think there's a good reason to be, to, to hang your hat on that, on that defensive, that defensive six. I mean, to your point, I mean, even if it's Rue Weedle over CC or Yuso Ricola plays on the wrong side and, you know, mm-hmm. what, I don't know, you know, you make it up, you know. Pierre Olivier Joseph comes up and blows everybody's socks off. You know, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I think there's any number of reasons to feel, you know, all right with what's going on there. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's it's in a much better state than it was going into last season where you just had the two anchors just grading everyone down for the defense. I mean, you know, to your point about Johnson, you know, I saw that big negative in Dom's preview on The Athletic with uh, Johnson on that third pairing. And it was a uh, it was a yikes. <laughs> That's one way. To oh yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm excited to see Matheson. I, I would hope that CC makes me eat a lot of crow. You know, I just every time I think of Cody CC, man, I think of that video that uh, Dmitry Filipovich tweeted out of him just missing the net by ninety feet against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. That is just yeah. That that video is hilarious. It just really sums up Cody Cece's game, honestly, last year and for you know a lot of his career, to be honest. But you know, who is hoping a reclamation project can be um, in order here? But uh, before we get to the next segment, Jesse, uh, where we'll talk about you know the top six and everything, and well, there's a whole bunch to talk about still with this team. Um, it's time to talk about BetOnline.ag. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That is BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. You can use that promo code locked on for your 50% off welcome bonus. Don't just sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% off welcome bonus for your first deposit. That's betonline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. And speaking of Bet Online, they have the Penguins odds at the division to finish. Uh, tied for fourth with the New York Islanders, which, you know, kind of seems m- maybe about right, but I would have them uh, at third uh, for me personally. But um, Jesse, let's let's go into the top six a bit here. Obviously, the big move, you know, that I had you on last time was Kasperi Kapanen. Not here at training camp because of immigration issues in Finland, you know, COVID stuff. When he comes over back to Pittsburgh, he's going to have to quarantine, I think, for, what, a week? Um, have to have four to five negative tests or something. He probably is not going to be available for the first game or two against Philadelphia and you know that's a big loss especially with this forward depth there's just they're not as deep as they used to be and honestly man I remember you released this poll on your Twitter you know how long will Kapanen be on Crosby's wing man I'm going until Valentine's Day I don't think he makes it any uh, further than that and in a perfect world 
I would love to see Jim Rutherford go out and actually get a bona fide top line winger for Crosby and Gensel to play with to slide Kapanen down to the third line, but I don't know how realistic that is in during this season. Uh, $1.3 million available. It's not. Not unless yeah. you're shipping out some uh, some serious cap somewhere else. Um, here's here's what we know. I got... Uh, we know the hockey season's already started. I got like this really like inflammatory message sent to me by, from someone <laughs> accusing me of not being fair with regards to the Kapanen thing. Okay. But, but here's what we know. We know all of the following for sure. Kapanen got bumped down to the third line in Toronto. And the reason was because they didn't think that he had the mental speed to keep up with their, their top offensive players. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, Right, and and we know it can't be easy to play with Sidney Crosby. It is a big deal for him to miss this time. Absolutely, there's no preseason, right? There's no chance to get anywhere familiar, you know. And you're not replicating a game in practice; it just doesn't happen. It's not possible. But you could still at least get your timing down, learn tendencies, build familiarity. No, I mean, and I'm that. This isn't, you know, it's no, it's not, it's no, it's not Casperi Captain's fault any more than it is Anacon Kadobin's or Carl Soderberg's or anybody else's, right? This is a, we're living in a whack time, man. Period, point blank. <laughs> and uh, people's countries of origins have changed, and visas are not easy to come out of Scandinavia right now. So, uh, at the end of the day, though, it just still stinks. It stinks uh, for the Penguins, for him, for the top line. Um. And I, at the end of the day, Hunter, I just don't know that maybe he's not. If you just take the, I don't care, just look at the makeup of this team, right? And the roster makeup and the way it sits right now, that presence may just flat out be necessary for the third line regardless. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how much better does the third line get if it has Kapanen on it as opposed to, to no offense to Sam Lafferty, or, or uh, you know, I think it's been, you know, potentially be great, uh, or very good at least. Uh, I, you know, you might have to do it just to spread the wealth around a la Phil Kessel, right? So I don't know. I just to me, there's no way around, you know, the the, the reality of this being a, a you know a serious knock in, uh, in the Penguins' grand plans. Yeah, and you know the thing is, if you move Captain down to the third line, and you don't make that trade. Who goes up to sit line? You're gonna have Evan Rodriguez up there. I like exactly. You created another problem. Exactly, and, and I like him a bit, but we also haven't really seen much of him. I honestly don't even know how much I like him on the third line, just because we such a small sample size with him with his numbers. But you know, you, like I said, you're gonna put Evan Rodriguez up there. We're gonna put Mark Jankowski up there, who is just coming off a really bad season. It's just there's just no easy fix if you do that. And you know, I just I would love if they had somehow had cap space so they can go out and get a bona fide top line winger. You know, that was. Honestly, I said that in Tuesday's episode. One of my bold predictions was Jim Rutherford's going to find a way to do it just because that's just who he is. Um, Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. It would be great if he did. But, you know, probably won't happen. But I just – I don't know, man. Like, Kapanen has to get back to that level that he displayed in 2018-19 when he was playing, I think, primarily 5v5 with um, Matthews, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was most of his numbers came there. That was when he had his career year. I think that's what Jim Rutherford is banking um, him doing for this season and for the next few years. You know, that's why he gave up a top 15 pick to get him. And, you know, I know Cindy Crosby's not an easy player to play with. You know, Jake, obviously Jake Gensel does a great job with him there. But, you know, 
he's got to he's got to figure it out. And I agree, man. This is valuable time that he's missing just because of the immigration issues and stuff. And it's just it's going to make that transition that much harder when he eventually does come to Pittsburgh. Well, I agree, so I agree with you. And and from what evidence we've got, you know, from the limited amount of stuff we've seen on the ice so far, is that from a breakout perspective, there's not a whole lot that's going to change. You know, uh, the Penguins' breakout is a lot about you know tic tac toe passing. Mm puck support, you know, having a guy on your hip that you can distribute with. And I I think Mike Sullivan, you know, if I were to channel him, I guess his idea around this is that if you could keep the puck moving and you keep the defense somewhat flat-footed on your zone entry, they they can't attack you, right? Because you've got a passing option. You know, I know that that they feel very strongly that the boards can serve as as a wing in their own right. And what I mean by that is if you're coming up in a one-on-one situation, you can use the boards as a one-touch passing option, you know, to laterally bank it off and step around somebody. So point being, it requires, there's a lot of time. I mean, for me, it's a timing-based thing, especially for the top six. You know, uh, it's about knowing when to break. You know, you're going to have one winger that's always going to, and it's probably more often than not, to be frank with you, Hunter, it's going to be the right winger. Because Crosby and Gensel have an insane level of chemistry. So if you want to break someone up solo, you want to have them fly the zone and draw the defense back, it's going to be Kapanen. He's fast, one, right? And B, you don't, you're not going to break up what the other two got going. So it's just all that stuff, that knowing when to get up. And if you're going to be the solo wing on the far side that's going to try to draw that defense, that's all knowing timing and, you know, the timing of the D to D pass to set you up. I mean, you know, it's just everybody I think right now is trying to work those kinks out. So it's a, you know, it's a critical time and, um, you know, learning it on the fly. I don't, you know, it's never easy. It's never easy thing to do. Yeah. And it's going to be that much harder. We know when he probably is going to miss all of training camp. I mean, the season starts next Wednesday. Is he even going to be in Pittsburgh by then? He might be in Pittsburgh maybe by this weekend or something. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Um, the only thing that, that has been really said, you know, his agent said, you know, we're working on getting this resolved as soon as we possibly can. Uh, so I don't know that there's even really a time we could point to, to see like he will arrive, you know, here. And again, just because I feel like it's worth reiterating, you know, like I know and I've seen, I don't want to say speculation on the internet, but people have raised the question of why didn't he work on this sooner? Yo, like you got to understand, like the whole world is working in a different way right now. You know, I still haven't even gotten my car registration in the mail yet. So I did that in <laughs> September. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things it's, it's unfortunate, but, uh, I don't know that we could really point the finger at a party here and say that they're responsible for the situation. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's really, you can't really finger point here at all. Um, we're just living in such a different world that, you know, we, none of us have ever seen before. So, I mean, Hopefully he comes as soon as he can. I'm sure he will. Hopefully he'll be ready by the regular season opener. Not sure about that, but you know, hopefully for at least the home opener, if if that's doable. Yeah, I too. think the early, honest to goodness, Hunter, I think the earliest is probably the first Rangers game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, yeah, re- I really do. I mean, because the timing, the amount of testing that has to go on, the quarantining. Um, you know, if he were to say arrive Friday, you know, you're you're looking at. You're you're through those first four games, no question. Yeah, I would I would I would think so too. So yeah, I mean just like I said, hopefully he gets here as soon as possible. Um switching gears away from the top six, um, 
Jesse. You know, the bottom six is where the real big question marks begin. We already touched on the bottom pairing uh, in the first segment. Um, the bottom six, man. Besides Jared McCann, I don't really think I have any confidence in any player down there to score 10 to 15 goals. And I think that's just the big... Like, I just don't think Jim Rutherford did enough this offseason to address the bottom six. You know, you look at when the Penguins won those two cups in 2016-17, you had all the depth in the world down there. Nick Benino was centering your third line. You had Phil Kessel down there, who's a superstar. Carl Haglund was a great depth piece. Then your fourth line, you know, you had Eric Fair down there at times. I mean, Matt Cullen was still playing good hockey. Um, it's just, it's a far cry uh, from where it is now. And, you know, you, I look at someone like, you know, Mark Jankowski. It's a lot of ips with him. Can he get back to that level that he displayed in 2019 when it was basically just he had, what, 12 goals in that season? Mm -hmm. Then Evan Rodriguez, we still really don't know a lot about him just because he a lot of very small sample size. He didn't get a lot of playing time in Buffalo. Um, and then, you know, you have Colton Sevier. I honestly forgot that they got him in the Mike Matheson trade-up yeah. until last week. But he's also had two 11-goal seasons um, throughout his career. You know, Brandon Tanev, are we going to see more offense from him? Zach Aston-Reese, we all know his defensive capability. Teddy Bluger had a nice year. But it's just like, man, do you really trust anyone to score in that bottom six outside of Jared McCann? Well, here's the thing, right? Like, everything you've just said is true. But it's balanced out, I think, you know, by the fact that it's going to be equally as difficult to score on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, that's really where this, your solace is uh, is at, I think, with that whole unit, is that, you know, at the end of the day, that's a defensively sound group of players. You know, uh, it. What, 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 I guess what shocked me um, was in Micah's model, mm -hmm. there were only two teams he had. And remember, he sims one million games. So he does the season one million times. Excuse me, not a million games. Mm -hmm. He sims the season a million times. In his model, uh, only two teams in the NHL were better defensively than Pittsburgh. That is uh, pretty Yeah, so, you know, so if you think about it, though, it makes sense. Because you've improved your third pairing. We talked about that. Uh, and Mark Jankowski is just a wet blanket for opposing offenses. Shooting percentage, his own shooting percentage problems, aside, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which are there are many. Uh, you know, last year uh, he is just really difficult uh, player to play against. Um, I mean, I always make throw it way back to the '90s. You remember John Madden, the Devils John Madden, and played I think in Minnesota after that. He reminds me of just a taller version of John Madden and that he's, you know, his two way game is, is rich with like these small little nuances, uh, that I think as a center, he can exploit in the defensive zone even more. Um, you know, I, I'll sing Teddy Bluger's defensive, uh, 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 uh songs, uh, to anyone that'll listen. He is, uh, to me last year was the year where he really flourished into a, a, two, a, a full on, center that you could deploy in any situation confidently, uh, especially defensive zone face-offs and his relationship with Brandon Tanev was great. I have no doubt that, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, um, you know, Drew Connor or, or Colton Sevier or whoever it is filling in there, well, that'll be, a, a, that same will be true. Mm -hmm. So they can't score. Um, there's not a lot of goals down there, uh, but by virtue of what they've built, they've built uh, one of. I mean, I guess I guess I'll throw it out there, Hunter. You could. I, 
I don't know that analytically speaking, you could pull out a better defensive bottom six. I don't think it exists. I haven't done it. I haven't tried. Mm-hmm. I guess I probably should now. Uh, I have to mess around with the old war calculator. But I mean, like, you know, to me, that that's the strength of that group. Now, here's the thing, right? Like, let's go back in time. It hasn't been that long since we've seen teams successfully shut down Crosby and Malkin mm-hmm. and, and put the, I mean, look, Montreal did it, right? Let's be honest. They so did. if you, if you shut them down, like can this bottom six, get the job done for you? And look, honestly, Hunter, probably that, that answer for that question for most teams is no. Most teams it's no, like take the capitals, for example, like are Carl Haglin, Lars Eller and Connor Sherry. Gonna win them a series? No, you know, probably not. And then, like, neither is Richard Ponick or Nick Down or Garnet Hathaway for that matter. No way. Uh, so it, it's it's true of most teams, but I think it's super true of the Penguins in the sense that, like, I think you can really handcuff them. But uh, you know, by the same token, maybe we've underrated how good their top six is, and maybe maybe shutting them down isn't gonna. You know, maybe that's just not in the cards for anyone. So, <laughs> I you know, I don't expect them to score a lot. I think everything you said is correct. The defensive presence that they bring, you know, I I, I kind of like am excited to see what Mike Sullivan does with it. Yeah, and you know, just my big fear is just like you know they're gonna be. Uh, what am I? I'm like trying to figure out my thoughts here. This is poor, terrible radio, but you know what? We're rolling with it. Uh, my biggest fear, I figured it out. My biggest fear, man, is just like when the top six goes cold, the bottom six is not going to be there to help them out, and you're gonna see like a lot of. I feel like 2-1 games, 1-0 games, you know, just a bunch of 3-2s as well, just because the team just, the bottom six just can't score. And, you know, that's why I wish they would have signed someone like a Craig Smith, because I know they had the cap money to do it, you know, at three years, three million per in Boston. He is a hell of a play driver. Um, his underlying numbers are just through the roof. You know, I love someone like Jesper Faust. Um, but, you know, it's just... I, I, everything you said about their defensive capabilities is true. It's probably one of the best defensive bottom sixes in the league. Mark Jankowski's um, underlying numbers defensively are great. I mean, I we all know how well Bluger, Aston Reese, and Tanev um, suppress shots. I think it's at an elite level last time I checked on Stat Trick and everything. So, I mean, I just wish, man, that they targeted more offensively-minded players for their bottom six. Though, you know, the defense will obviously come in handy a lot as they're trying, you know, to protect leads and everything. I suppose that, you know, like if you're in a pinch and the drought's on and teams are shutting you down, you can move Brian Russ down for a little while or, you know, shift people around if need be. Um, but I, you know, you know, you, you really just hope, I think, that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin stay healthy. Yep. Not only do they stay healthy, but they're, they're, I think they're, in particular, their left wingers stay healthy too. Because um, I think Jason Zucker and, and Jake Gensel are, are just as crucial to uh, what's going on up there as the centers are, you know, in terms of the grand scheme of things. So uh, without that element, man, it is going to be slim pickings out there and uh, might be the, might be the Drew O'Connor show. Never know. Yeah. You know, I, I've been seeing him in training camp, you know, trying to get a crack, maybe the bottom six, but I feel like he, he's probably going to start the season in Wilkes-Barre um, when their season starts and, um, February. That's right. I I totally forgot that it's starting in um, February this, uh, this year, but um, yeah, man, that was good. I mean, it's just, 
I don't, I don't know, man. I'm hoping that a lot of the bottom six proves me wrong. I want, like, Brandon Tanev to go off for, like, 15 goals or something and just, like, have me eat even more crow than I already did last year for how great he was at suppressing shots um, and especially being on the power play and just I – mean, power play on the penalty kill and drawing penalties uh, at a pretty good rate too. But, um, Jesse, before we do get to our uh, last segment where we'll touch on the goaltending and bowl predictions and everything like that, it's time to talk about Bilt Bar, 18 amazing flavors. There's six new ones, Care Cake. Apple Almond Crisp, Lemon Almond Cheesecake are a few of those. The 12 original flavors, Salted Caramel, Double Chocolate, Orange, Toffee, Almond. Um, the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the Coconut Almond, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON and you get 20% off your next order. Don't forget, guys, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off that order at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Um, Jesse, let's talk some goaltending, man. It's always fun to talk about goalies in the NHL because, you know, they are voodoo and it's the most... It's honestly the hardest position to talk about because you really don't know what you're going to get from season to season with goaltending. You know, you have Carey Price play like garbage yeah. for the last three seasons, and then he just turns up a heater in the playoffs and plays like God, like he was in 2014-15. So for Tristan Jari, um, had a great first few months there. His numbers kind of tailed off a bit. It looks like he's looked good in training camp. Um, what do you make of him coming into the season, man? Do you think he's fully ready for um, a full load of starts? And do you think he is capable of um, maybe do maybe 9-20, goaltending for this team? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he would start one day when they drafted him. Um, he, what I think you can, you know, goaltending is volatile. You know, a lot of it's voodoo. I don't wholly understand it. I've told this story to anybody to listen to it because to me, it's like a, a testament of how hockey's changing mm-hmm. B like another thing you could just hang your hat on with Tristan Jari is he and Lauren Bursois now who's also in the NHL. They both went to, they played together in Edmonton for the oil Kings and the WHL at the same time mm-hmm. uh, and went to the, uh, the same school goaltending Academy it was all, uh, I don't, again, I don't really understand this hunter, but it was all like angular based very much like geometrical and about head angling and visual lines um, that I think it's even something that's very, it's very difficult for um, goaltending coaches in the NHL to handle it, which is why I think some things to the Penguins have, you know, have changed there over time. But um, for me, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a reliable foundation. You know, it's one that's, it's not born in risk taking or, flopping around, you know, like a fish out of water. Uh, it's very methodical. It's very difficult to manage unless you've been in it. Uh, I think it's worked out for both of them. I know that there are probably other goalies I'm not even privy to that have come from the same school of thought, but I, it's just reliable to me. You know, I, I don't ever really look at him as somebody who, um, if you, even if you think back to his time in Wilkes-Barre, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of like pomp and circumstance around it. But it was just good. You know, the people there will tell you, uh, time and time again, how, how great he was for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe the numbers didn't pop off the page and maybe he wasn't in contention for awards, but they weren't losing hockey games because of him. And in occasionally he was pulling one out of the hat for him. So if they, if the penguins just get that, they're fine. That's all they need. Uh, they just need average goaltending to do what they 
know, need to be successful. And so uh, I'm just, I, I, what I am worried about is the depth. I'm worried about the backup position. I'm worried about Casey dismiss suddenly being the starter. Um, you know, and they're not, you know, you're one, you're one bad incident and in crease away from that. So depth's concern. Tristan Jari is not for me. Yeah, I'm, I don't – Casey Dismith, he hasn't really played in the league, I don't think, for, what, two years now? So that's going to be um, pretty interesting. I, I am excited to see Jari for a full season, man. I'm, I think he has it in him to go 925, hell, maybe even 930, and it may be a little bit bullish, but I just really loved what I saw when he got hot at the beginning of the season and then what he did in Game 4 against Montreal was trying to will the Penguins to win, even though no one else was really showing up. Um, he just looks sensational. Um, I'm just excited, you know. I, I saw a lot of talk over the offseason. Oh, yeah, you know, it's like flipping a coin, picking Jari over Murray. And, you know, I, I kind of understood it just because of the small sample size with Jari. Murray was kind of giving you, well, I wouldn't say like eerily similar stuff, but, you know, his numbers were a bit more down than Jari's, and I, un- I could have understood a way to keep Murray over him. But, you know, I always go with the younger guy. Um, the guy who's not going to cost you six million against the cap, you know, I kind of think of it as like a running back position to the NHL. You just you don't pay yeah. top uh, top dollars for a goalie unless it's like you know a prime Carey Price or a prime Henrik Lundqvist, who's one of the best goaltenders of all time. So um, I'm just I'm excited for that man. I, I really hope he can give them, like you said, average goaltending is really all this team needs. I mean, I know you need. Um, semi-elite goaltending in the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, when the Penguins won their last two, you saw Matt Murray go on two heaters, especially in 2017. He was 937. Um, does Jari have it in him to do that? Who knows? But I think he could get away with doing a little bit less than that. I don't think he has to be 937 for the Penguins to win a Stanley Cup with this lineup. But, um, man, are you... I don't think we touched on this, man. Are you excited for the new divisions with this? You know, playing Boston eight times, playing Washington eight times. You know, I kind of just call it, I think with the sponsors today, I almost would have just called it the mass murder division just because everyone is going to be murdering each other every single night. And, you know, there's potential for the Penguins and Caps or whatever to play 15 times during the season. And Jesse, I don't know about you, man, but, you know, a lot of this fan base can't get past four games against the Capitals. Um, and even not even maybe 11, how are they going to do uh 15 <laughs> potential? You get a Pittsburgh Columbus Stanley cup final. Yep. That's another crazy one that could come out of this. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really, I think, you know, for the, for the penguins in particular, this is going to be brutal. Um, it's just going to be brutal. I, I, this division is a juggernaut. I mean, Buffalo got better, right? They're still, yeah. The, you know, even the consensus basement dweller is not, I don't think, a cakewalk, right? I don't think it's going to be super easy. Uh, probably say the same thing about the Devils. You know, their young players are just getting better with yeah. time, right? Um, the Rangers are bringing in, you know, one of the most electric prospects we've seen in the last five years. Um, you know, granted, they have Jack Johnson, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a buzzsaw, man. It really is going to be a buzzsaw. These rivalries are only going to get better. This is a year where we'll point to... Um, you know, I think as like a, as for me anyway, like a Zenith, a lot of the rivalries, like kind of kicking back up. Cause if you think about it, like Penn's flyer has been kind of dormant, right? Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't like Penn's caps kind of took, I think the forefront of the rivalry stage because of the playoff meetups. Um, and you have the Islanders most, you know, recently eliminating them from the division. And, and I just think that, uh, 
starting the year off with the Flyers is a great way to get it going. Absolutely. I'm super pumped about the the North Division too, the All Canadian Division. Yep. Um, it is going to be so like just the pure hockey fan in us to just sit back and watch that chaos and the. Oh man, watch, Twitter fighting. It's you get to watch so Matthew great. Kachuk go at the Oilers for eight to ten games or something, man. Just inject oh, that into yeah. my veins. That's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, that I mean, you get to watch I mean McDavid and Matthews play eight times. I mean, that's Good just point. Oh god. That that I mean, Montreal got a lot better. I mean, I, I like to shit on Mark Bergman a bunch, but he actually did have a pretty decent offseason outside of that Josh Anderson contract, which <laughs> that was a little much, I think. He sometimes goes a little overboard. But, you know, you have Vancouver's good. Um, I am a huge uh, Quinn Hughes guy. Um, I think he's going to be a top. Yeah, man. And it, you know what's crazy is, like, I, I don't know. I haven't really, like, spent a lot of time looking at this. I should. I probably should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Vancouver is just, like, getting no love right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, a lot of, like, I think consensus, everyone's just got them outside the top four. That's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. That's a tough division to call, though. Yeah, somebody there's going to be they're going to be two good teams that don't make it uh, from that from that division. I I mean, I think with the Canucks, um, you know, their depth is obviously a concern. Um, You know, for Locked On Canucks also does a great job with them. Please go check them out. But um, you know, their depth is a bit of concern, but their top six is also loaded. I know Braden Holtby is not the goalie that he once was. Um, but their defense is also a bit better. I think they're bringing in Travis Hamnick too as a professional trialist, so that should be interesting. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, coming back to being uh, they have that Penguins problem though, Hunter, don't they? Like between like Roussel, was it Roussel Godet and Sutter, people, Tyler Mott? <laughs> it's like who's scoring the goals? Yeah, down and there? then you got former Penguin Brandon Sutter down there, who I honestly yeah. forgot that he's still there. That's the thing. Like I thought he would like retired. Or Here's something. what I will tell you. I I remember this uh, when Dom posted the Vancouver season preview. I looked at the um uh, the lineup for Vancouver and uh, Brandon Sutter's uh, goals saved uh, you know versus average zero. Oh. It's basically like he's almost like having no impact on your team at all. And it's like, how much has not changed yep. in all these years? I was, I was so thrilled player. when they somehow traded him for Nick freaking Benino. I have no yeah. idea what Jim Benning thought was going to happen in that deal. Do you want to hear – there's a funny story for you, Hunter, about Brandon Sod. And it's a, it's a story about like analytics and how far we've come. Uh. Like – when behind the net, which was really the first big analytics site came out, this is probably like 2011, 2012. Uh, it really, the, the thing, like one of the things you looked at was like Corsi, like Corsi was new, right? So yeah. you had that on there, but like we were really into looking at goal information. Like, and, and there was this thought that like at the time forwards were responsible for goals against. Like forwards with low goals against numbers had low goals against numbers because of stuff they were doing. You know, and then like a year later it was like, whoa, like they actually don't have any control over this at all. But I think like now, like when I think back about getting started at like looking at, at analytics and like when it just came to the forefront, we all thought Brandon Sutter was really good defensively. Um, that was not true. Yeah. So it's just a good story about like now thinking about that. I was like looking at cave paintings on a wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
like looking at hieroglyphics and trying to just, you know, <laughs> I, I never think about what we were thinking all those years ago. I never thought he was any good. I don't know why they, they, they I thought that he was the main piece to come back in the Jordan Stahl trade. Well, they did get Brian yeah. Dumoulin out of it. Uh, sure. At the time, we didn't know that Brian Dumoulin was going to be that good. Yeah, that's also true. And, you know, everyone thought Derek Pouliot was going to be awesome. And then, you know, we all know how that turned out to be. But, um, Jesse, before I let you go, man, give me some bold predictions from you for this Penguin season, man. Anything that comes to mind, you know, I laid mine out on my Tuesday episode, you know, what you got. I think I remember, I think you had a tweet. Are you uh, in the camp for Jason Zucker potentially being a 40-goal scorer? You just took my number one, dude. You just, that was it. Uh, Yeah, Jason Zucker scores at a 40-goal pace this year. That's number one bold prediction for me. Um, I just think that this you know and it hasn't happened yet uh but i think he's gonna find his way onto that top power play somehow mm-hmm. uh and it's gonna all of a sudden start to score just a ton of goals in front of the net uh not to mention that he's just good in transition his shot's good uh i i have a very good feeling about jason zucker um I want to make a. I don't know what bold the prediction to make about john marino other than to say Here's one. I got it. Yeah, just how about this? John Marino is the Penguins' best defenseman this year. Oh, okay. I I, I like that. I, I still I still have Tanger at that point. I honestly, my I think Tanger will be better offensively. I okay. do think Crystal Tang will be better offensively. I think John Marino will try to keep up with what Crystal Tang does offensively while being better, uh, keeping his own house in order. I, I like it. That, that's a good one. You know, mine for Latang. I did mine on Tuesday. You know, I said that he's going to be a Norris Trophy finalist. Said it right out there. I think. Yeah, that, I would take that. Yeah, I man. Think, I think he's going to have. How crazy best, would that be? I think he's going to have his best season of his career since 2015-16. That relationship with Reardon, you know, I, I, you know, I used to scoff at that kind of talk about Sergey Gonchar. Yeah. You know, like when it first happened, it, I'd be like, you know, come on. But I don't know, man. There's something to it. There just is. I mean, there's. You know, you can't ever discount the human element. And uh, there's just something about Reardon that really helps him get the most out of some of these guys. Look at what John Carlson did under Todd Reardon. You know, that's not taking anything away from John Carlson, by the way. He's an amazing defenseman in his own right. Uh, But he blossomed Uh into what he is under under Todd Reardon. So, you know, you hope you get more of that back for Letang. and, And I think for Letang... It's it's not it's not all that far off, man. It's really just that disaster play. If he can get rid of that disaster play happening once a night, you know, like it's going to give people a lot less to talk about uh, when it comes to him in a good way. Yeah, those 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 typical Yinzers that say Latang sucks, trade him because you know that's just that's just who they are. Um, you got any more? Uh, I, I think I did like five or something. I think Jari's going to be 930 overall for this year. I'm high on him. I had – oh, here's a good one for you. This is one I had. I had Sidney Crosby. He's getting 90-plus points in 56 games. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Uh, Turn back I, I, look, here's the thing, though. Like, it's Sidney Crosby. I'm not going to laugh at that. Yeah. You know? I mean, who scoffs at that idea? Good yeah. luck. If Shake a stick at that at your own risk. <laughs> exactly yeah i mean like he. Can I, I just what about this one uh here's one malkin finishes with more points than crosby 
Uh, you know what? I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me to be honest either. You know, I remember, it wouldn't. That I was talking to Rob about this today, Rob Rossi, because you know Rob Rossi is like the Malkin whisperer. You know, he's right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah got, he absolutely. You want him. Malkin info? That's the man you go to. Yeah, I'm like, no, I haven't been around. You know, like until my wife's pregnant, I'm not going anywhere for a while. Uh, you know, with this baby coming, but when you look at at the the, the tape on practice, Malkin just looks bigger. I thought. He looked significantly larger than he did last year. And I asked Rob about that today. And he said, you know, you're absolutely right. And that, uh, you know, recently Malkin, I think, you know, paraphrasing Rob, uh, has really become more aware of his diet and his workout regimen. And it started to change with his body. His body's changing. He's getting older, yeah. you know. Uh, and he's just ripped right now. Absolutely ripped. In a way, he's never been ripped before. So, like, do with that information what you will. You know, like that's that to me is like, how terrifying is that for everybody else? You know, yeah. like you coming out, the guy was unbelievable last year before, you know, he got hurt. So, exactly. Uh, you, you know, a superhuman Malkin is a game changer for the Penguins. Yeah, I'm excited for his season. I know he kind of looked out of place in the return to play, but, you know, you really can't judge it's such a small sample size. And he's going to get a full season again with John Marino feeding him pucks with Marcus Pedersen. He doesn't have to have Jack Johnson's corpse strapped to him. So that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, okay, Jesse, I found, I found, figured out one more question before I do finally let you go. Where do you see the Penguins finishing in the East Division? And, you know, where do you see, what, what do you see them doing overall for this season? Uh, I still have them at third in the division. I'm with you. Uh, I, I, I know the model say two. I still have them at three. Um, just because, like, history says they're going to go through some irrational run of injuries. Uh, and you know, all hell is going to break loose on that. So I, I still think that the, they're a team that's going to get in comfortably. Um, though I think they'll weasel their way out of any of the drama at the end and they'll get their spot, uh, in fairly comfortable fashion. And what happens after that, um, comes down to, uh, uh, what happens down the middle of the ice for me. And if, uh, the penguins get into the first round and, you know, let's just for shits and gigs say they go out and play a, you know, a Washington um, yeah. or a Philadelphia. They cannot win that series uh, without uh, Crosby and Malkin getting theirs. So I think that'll just be the story. And I think if they can play in the playoffs and, and get their, you know, get theirs at a 2017 level, um, the Penguins have just as much of a chance to win the cup as anybody else does. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And if they can especially get some bottom six scoring in the playoffs, you know, maybe Jared McCann has a like a, has a fire lit up in his ass or something like that, or Brandon Tanev scores a bunch yeah. of goals or something like that, or they go out and get someone at the deadline, which, you know, Jim Rutherford may do anyway because that's just who he is. Um, that'd be awesome. And then, you know, if Tristan Jari just goes apeshit like Carter Hart did in the bubble, um, that would be awesome too. But um think that will basically do it for this episode of the locked on penguins podcast jesse i really appreciate you coming on um where can people find you on twitter and you know where can they find your work yeah at j marsh f o f on the twitter machine and at the athletic uh uh both in podcast and written form yeah there you guys have it please go follow him on his twitter and then please also support his work i'm sure he's gonna have a piece coming pretty soon with a bunch of video because he just does awesome video stuff his pieces so uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode we'll have another episode coming on thursday and then on friday to end the week so hope you all have a great rest of your day